Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. Hey, BTB buddies. I'm glad you tuned in for my 51st episode. Thanks for listening. I'll be doing a bonus year in review episode in the next couple of weeks, so look out for that. I know it's been a nutty year, but one thing you can count on is behind the bits. I'm here every week. I'll keep giving you the interviews with the best working comedians in the business, and I'll keep bringing you the BTB Internet Talk Show. Check that out on YouTube if you haven't already. Just type in Behind the Bits in the YouTube search bar and you'll find me. I plan to launch some new stuff in the new year like some merch and some new great Patreon benefits. So keep on the lookout for that. I hope next year is better for you and I hope it's better for me too. Give yourself a pat on the back for surviving this one. Here comes Don Smith. It's a good one. My guest is an actor, comedian, podcast host, and owner of Wiley's Comedy Club, part owner of Wiley's Comedy Club in uh, Dayton, Ohio. It's, uh, and the host, the, the podcast is called The Life Radio Show. Got Don Smith with me. How you doing, Don? All right. How you doing, man? Uh, all right. I As I told you before we started, it's going to be hard to uh, pin down what I want to talk to you about, but <laughs> this is a comedy podcast. Let's, uh, let's get into that first. Uh, when did you first start doing stand-up comedy? I started performing a little over six and a half years ago. I actually had something I'd been wanting to do for a long time and just never got up and did it. Mm-hmm. I started performing uh, theater, uh, local theater in my mid twenties. Mm-hmm. So I, I love theater. I love the live performance, but the problem with theater is it takes such a commitment. I mean, three, four month commitment pretty much every night of the weekend weekend. Right. And it just, didn't have the time for that, so I. But I still, I always have that itch to get on stage because there's nothing, nothing beats a live performance. So I, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's that's how I decided to start performing stand up is just yeah. get up there. <laughs> yeah, it seems it seems easier at at the outset than uh, doing uh, rehearsals for three months, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so tell me about your first time. What was it like to get on stage the first time? My first time was actually, I, I went back to uh, college late to finish my bachelor's degree. And okay. uh, I took a class that was called comedy writing. Okay. And I didn't know it was actually a basics of stand up comedy class. And the uh, final exam was actually a four minute set at the local, uh, at the Dayton Th- uh, Funny Bone. Okay. Okay. So that was technically my first set, even though it was uh, college related. But my first set after that is about, Probably a month after I did that, I performed at Wiley's Comedy Club for my first real open mic set. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, it went well. I was surprised because bo- both times went fairly well. Uh, 
the first time I performed at Wiley's, it actually went well enough that I let the people running the, the Wiley Sunday comic show at the time, I let them convince me to sign up for the, the competition later that month. The, uh, cause every year Wiley's does the, uh, uh, annual fireworks, uh, 4th of July comedy competition. Uh-huh. And they talked me into signing it up after signing up after my first set. So it, yeah. How did you? I, how did I you think the, they just wanted the money. I don't know if I really oh, did yeah, that yeah. well. <laughs> but no, it, it it went fairly well actually. And then, uh, I made it to the finals of the competition, so that That's was great. that that was cool. That was like my third performance was in the competition. My fourth was in the finals. Wow! So, yeah, That's it was. Great. I, so, I, I impressed myself a little bit. Yeah. Do you you feel like um, coming into it a little bit later in life and also having the acting chops helped you? Definitely the the live performance and the acting, the the theater performance definitely helped because, I mean, you you develop a stage presence with that rather than somebody just walking up to try it their first time without having that. So I think I definitely had that advantage. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if starting later in life helped. But I I do know that the acting the acting helped a lot in that because uh, yeah. that way you can you can sell your jokes a little more if you're able to add that performance element and the and the stage presence into it right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. I you know I the reason why I say starting later in life. You didn't start as late as me. I started when I was fifty two, and <laughs> by that time you know I I had uh, raised two kids. I had. Uh, uh, friends pass away. I would had, you know, I'd lost jobs and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, you know, an audience doesn't bug me. I don't care. You know, yeah. so it, it, it wasn't as nerve wracking because of all the life experience I've already had. <laughs> that's, that's true. I, I don't know. Cause it, it, as weird as it sounds doing the radio show, doing comedy, doing uh, theater, I get really, I, I kind of get nervous. I, I still get stage fright before I go up. And I mean, yeah. now the, the podcast, I don't so much because I've done it for so long, but right. I still, because yeah. this, this year, because of COVID, of course, I haven't been on stage much at all. I yeah. think uh, I went up for the first time in eight months, about probably two weeks ago. And, mm. Oh, I was, I was terrified. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still I still get a little a little nervous. I mean, if you're not if you're not a little nervous before you go up, you're dead. So you you yeah. you should you should have uh, some nerves, or you really don't like what you're doing because uh, you want to do well. So that yeah, I, I think I get I try to stay nervous in it by constantly using new material. I I mean, I every I know when I was first starting off, of course, all the all the advice you get is just work on that solid five, work on that solid yeah. five, and I get bored to death. And I can't do it. I, about every third show, my first year doing comedy, about every third or fourth show, I'd go on stage with a brand new set. Wow. And it was terrifying, but at the same yeah, time, I, I gained a lot of material doing that. So I was a year in, and actually, I, I won a competition, and I got to do a 30-minute set. Oh, and I had wow. the material. Because even at a year in, I was doing so much and changing it up so much. That yeah. Yeah, that's that's some prolific writing there in a year to get a solid thirty. I didn't say solid. <laughs> okay, <laughs> to get thirty, <laughs> I could do thirty. That was okay. It was like semi-solid. It wasn't solid. Yeah. It was 
still a little it, it was like jello kind of it was that that consistency yeah well you you stood up on stage with a mic in your hand for 30 minutes not a lot of people right. can see that after a year right with, with no notes yeah yeah, yeah that, first time i went up i was like i don't want to take notes because I, yeah. I didn't even have a cheat sheet yeah so what kind of material do you do don uh I usually talk about my life and the mistakes I've made. Mm-hmm. Uh, this past year and a half has been just glorious for that because <laughs> <laughs> every everything with the comedy club, I made the joke, you know, uh, off the air. I, I made the joke about how I'm since I'm backing off, I give my partners a chance to ruin their marriage. That's kind of true. Uh-huh. And that's been the past year and a half. There have been a lot, just a lot of turmoil and a lot of issues that I've been dealing with. And I bring that on stage and oftentimes with a lot of anger to where mm-hmm. I, I hit something deep. The first time I went up and really let loose, by the time I got off stage and got to the bar to get a drink, I could hardly pick my drink up. I was just whatever, whatever nerve I touched inside hit me deep. Wow. And it was, it was, it was pretty wild. Right. In this past year and a half using a lot of material like that, I've kind of had, that's another reason for stepping back is because I've had so much, I won't say bad energy, but so much angry energy going on stage that I could tell it started to affect me off stage a lot. Too. Uh-huh. Do, uh, do you feel like the taking that personal stuff up there does uh, give you an outlet though, a little bit of therapy almost? It does, but it can also make a significant other very angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, I, I think it does help to talk about these things and, you know, yeah. I've tried therapy and it just isn't the same. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, the, the bar is not there for a drink after therapy. You have to, you know, right. Bar, right. So, you know, <laughs> which it should be. It should be. <laughs> yes, it should. So, Most of the times I've left therapy, I've needed a drink after. So. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think that maybe that early um, success was because you you made stuff so personal and you, you made a uh, you had a voice to begin with? Because comics, you you've seen a lot of comics, a lot of new comics. They, I mean, a lot of them are you know one-liners puns stuff like that uh, or or they just go with toilet humor yeah because it's an easy laugh yeah or they're a storyteller like you and it takes them five minutes to get to the punchline you know they are around it a lot so you know that that's it's an art to be able to have a story, um, have something that you want to get across and still get the punchline in without losing the audience. That's yeah. That's you, you have to, to be a storytelling comic, you have to have good punchlines throughout the story. It can't yeah. be just one long thing. And that's the tricky part because when I, uh, I tried to do a long story uh, like one or two times and I just didn't have enough punch in between and it, it sounded more like a TED talk than anything else. Yeah. And, it was, and in fact, I think one of my fellow comics said that to me as I left the stage. It's like, well, thanks for the TED talk. I think I've done the same thing. I know where you're coming from. Yeah. I, yeah, I know exactly where you're coming from. So what comics did you admire when you were growing up and, and even right before you started? 
I, I well, growing up, I, I know I'm going to take a lot of flack from this from a lot of other comics, but I have always been a fan of Gallagher sans okay. Sledgematic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Legimatic was brilliant when it first started, but it was a bit, and then it took over yeah. everything. But I yeah. always, I always thought Gallagher, as Gallagher was was really well thought out, really funny. I mean, it was the eighties, of course, but right. Uh, uh, later on, I got more into uh, one of my all time favorites is Richard Jenny. Mm-hmm. Now that that's yeah. that's a guy that knows how to do a story. That, that he knows how to tell stories and put stuff in between. And that, one of my favorite things about him is the rants that he would go on. Oh yeah. For yeah. like, just, you wouldn't even have time to stop and breathe. You were laughing so hard, but at the same time you were missing half of what he said. Right. Because he just kept firing him at yeah. you like crazy. And that was, uh, he was, he was definitely a favorite for a long time. That last special, was that the platypus or something like that? I think so, yeah. Platypus lifestyle or whatever, yeah. (laughs) That one hit me. I mean, that that's before I started doing stand up, but that was I was I've always been a fan and I was like, How can you have all that it was it was like Carlin turned up a notch. Uh he went so he went so fast through that and there were so many it, it was so funny throughout you're right you couldn't breathe yeah. and you had to rewatch it on vhs of course just to just yeah. to uh see the uh punchlines again so you know what you missed yeah definitely but yeah he was he was a uh, he was a powerhouse just awesome comedy writer and uh, mm-hmm. i had i had heard at one point that he actually hated performing he did not like performing, but really? he, did, he but he hated how he tried to sell his jokes, and he hated how other comedians did his told his jokes, <laughs> which was the only reason he started performing. Them. Wow, wow! <laughs> Don't know if that's true or not. I just i th- I read that somewhere years ago. Yeah. So thinking about uh, being part of the comedy club, when did you uh, get into ownership of, the, of Wiley's? Uh, it's a little over three years ago now. Okay. We, uh, basically I, I had gotten to know, I, I booked a local comedian on my, uh, on my radio show, which at the time, yeah, it was still the life radio show. It was mm-hmm. still the podcast as well. Cause I've been doing the radio show for six years and the podcast were for four now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had booked one of the local comics who ran the Wiley Sunday comics open mic show. Okay. Uh, Karen, Karen Jaffe, I had booked her as a guest and she had to cancel last minute. And rather than, uh, rather than just leave me hanging, she said, well, I have a guest. It's the new owner of Wiley's comedy club who at the time, I'm not going to mention his name, but where was a falling out. Uh, <laughs> I was actually before, before he became the owner, I was actually banned from uh, performing at Wiley's for a while, which is something uh-huh. I'm just going to leave that as a mystery. So yes, before yeah. I became part owner of the club, I was actually banned from performing there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Karen uh, sent the new owner of Wiley's to be part of my radio show as a guest. Mm-hmm. And we had fun and uh, we kind of came up with an arrangement where he'd come back a couple times a month just to promote the club. And I, I was cool with that. And then what happened is it got to where the club was needing a little bit of extra money and I just happened to have some at the time and he mm-hmm. offered, he offered a percentage to buy in. So I bought in and then things went south really quickly and he had to be excused 
for reasons I'm not going to get into. And yeah. basically it was me and two other owners who were both out of state and basically most of running that club fell on me. What wasn't already on our general manager. Yeah. Who is our general manager. Erica is fantastic. She books the shows. She pretty much does everything but the paperwork anymore. Mm. That's about all I'm doing these days is just the paperwork for the club. Right. Right. There for there for until COVID I was, I was involved enough to where I was pretty much at the club for just about every show. Yeah. Working right alongside the the staff, right? But yeah, that's about three years ago. I became part owner, and then I ended up with a bigger percentage than I was planning on because we had to get rid of our managing partner. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was it was weird times, and then for the past uh, three years, it's just been it, it's been crazy. I mean, I, I love the club. I it's just it it takes its toll after a while because when you're constantly on the move like that in 2019, I actually lost almost 80 pounds. Oh, wow. Just cause I was constantly right. I mean, thanks to COVID it all came back. <laughs> <laughs> 2020, every bit of that came back. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, it, it was just, I was constantly, constantly running, constantly moving 2019. I also, with everything going on in my personal life, I performed a lot more shows Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, and I think that year I was averaging like 17 or 18 shows a month. Wow. That's on top of the club on top of, uh, and it wasn't just shows at my club because <laughs> that yeah. was too easy. <laughs> I was, uh, it was on top. Uh, that was on top of the club on top. I think I, w- I think I acted in four movies in 2019 as well. Uh, plus the radio show and podcast, uh, Plus, I, I work full time. Yeah. So with everything going on there, it just it, it it takes its toll after a while, kind of run me run me down a little bit. Yeah. Well, I can see how you lost eighty pounds. You forget to eat and you forget to sleep when you're doing yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that and a lot of vodka. That, yeah. That helped a lot too. <laughs> That's well, carbs. The carbs. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Skip the carbs. <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're doing the good carbs tonight. Yeah. Absolutely. So when you got involved with the comedy club, obviously it was a little bit chaotic, but uh, I'm sure you probably at the beginning were helping with uh, the booking and stuff like that. Is that correct? I stayed as far away from booking as possible. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Erica has done the booking at that club for quite some time. Okay. There were, there's a, she's been there for, for almost 20 years now, I think. Oh, wow. She knows, she knows that club and that business better than I do. Yeah. I, I'm not going to, you know, own owner or not, I'm not going to go in there and step on somebody's toes. That's been doing it as long as she has and does a better job than I would anyway. Right. (laughs) And I was, I was happy not to book because that way I don't get hit up with emails and messages all the time from every comedian that wants to be booked at the club. Oh, no doubt. Oh, no I, doubt. I do get quite a few, but then I can just forward them to her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then wash your hands of it. It's, yeah. I, I don't do that. So th- thinking about Erica, having been there for 20 years, she had to have had, um, she had to have 
a opinion on how a comic should act when oh yeah approaching for a uh, spot at the club or a weekend either as a headliner feature whatever what what types of things do you would she look for and you look for if you're recovering for a vacation or something like that what do you look for in a comic that is going to be performing at wiley's besides being funny well i i look a lot of whether or not they promote whether or not they do their part to try to get people out there but mostly if it's a comic i've never heard of that just reaches out they're probably not going to get booked Mm-hmm. If it's somebody that's been to the club, that's done a couple of shows there as a, as a feature or a host, or has done a couple of open mics there, you have a much better chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, let us get to know you a little bit because Wiley's Wiley's is a family club. I mean, it's not like it, there's nothing corporate about it. It is. If, yeah. if you know us, we love you. Mm-hmm. you know, we're going to do what we can for you. And that, and that's the best way to get into Wiley's is just, get there for some shows, get to know the staff a little bit, get to know the people. And, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll start getting booked there. Have you seen anybody in the last, uh, three years or in the time that you've been going there that, um, uh, either surprised you by leaving comedy or surprised you by being a fantastic comic after, uh, maybe cutting their teeth there? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm never surprised when somebody leaves comedy. <laughs> I, I'm sometimes if it's somebody that's really good, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised, but I'm usually uh, that there's so many people coming and going in the comedy scene that it's, uh, it's, I usually don't have time to pay attention to a lot of them. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't mean to sound rude by that, but <laughs> But I, I learned my lesson lesson about sitting through a lot of the open mics because that's when I start getting me- Facebook messages in the middle of the night on Sunday. How did you like my act? Yeah, <laughs> which that's not a that's that's a good piece of good advice. If you, <laughs> yeah, if you perform for your first or second time at an open mic, don't start hitting up the club owner for his opinion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially like eleven thirty on a Sunday night when he's got to be at work at five in the morning. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that happen far too often, but yeah, uh, there, there have, uh, I don't know. Uh, I've, there've been a lot of great comics come through there. Newer comics come through there that, uh, uh, well, Ryan Niemiller, who went on to, uh, uh, third place in America's got talent. He mm-hmm. actually, he's, he's from Indianapolis originally, and he spent a lot of time in, at Wiley's. Uh, we booked him, uh, before he, we were booking him at Wiley's before he was on America's Got Talent, and then after his third place win, since since we've known him for a long time, Eric has known him for years. He used to come over and feature and host. Uh-huh. Uh, she actually reached out to him uh, right as he was getting right as he was getting just started in America's Got Talent, and she booked him. Uh, she happened to book him the weekend after the finale. Oh, wow. <laughs> so on Wednesday night, he wins, he places third in the finale and that Friday he's at Wiley's. So those were just, those were great shows that weekend. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I, I, I got to do a guest set with him Saturday night. And that's, Oh, that's cool. Usually if I, if I was doing sh- a show at Wiley's, it was because we were trying to save money on a host. 
<laughs> so I would get up and host and that would be me, you know, my set. That way I didn't have to get paid. Right, right. So usually it was a weekend where we didn't have a big crowd. So getting getting to do a, a guest set on Ryan Niemiller's sold out show, that that was a that was a high point for me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's big. And uh, you know, he's uh he's still doing quite well uh considering considering the covid and all that he's still still doing very well so uh that's a i mean i i always like seeing comics that are on america's america's got talent because uh i think comedy is an art and it should be featured um however and i won't say his name i did see a com comic who placed uh pretty pretty at least in the top five uh several years ago i saw him in chicago and uh boy did he suck he (laughs) i mean he would and i know everybody has a bad night and but it was it was the material i i mean Uh, if if i was reading the material from a notebook i would still hate it it was just it was (laughs) so it was so pedestrian. I mean, it was just, yeah. it was just what everybody does and you expect more uh, out oh, of yeah. somebody like that. And, and yeah, he well, was, when you're at that level, you definitely, when they're at that level, you definitely have to expect more. Yeah. And, and there, there was no personal stamp on that at all. I mean, it, 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 it was, it was pretty much rehashed jokes that I already knew. Uh, it was, yeah. it was that bad. So, but, uh, Ryan is definitely not that type of guy. He's, uh, oh, yeah. he is always looking for something new and really working towards it. Yeah. One definitely. of the things that I talk to comics that are on both coasts, uh, and they all say that, um, if you're like a, a headlining level comic, but you're not like, you don't have an Amazon special or a Netflix right. special or something like that, it's like, pulling teeth to get on stage on either one of the coasts, uh, any real stage time. So they all come to the Midwest to actually make enough money to live on. Uh, this is pre pandemic. Of course, they, right. they come in the Midwest to make enough money to live on if they lived in, uh, LA or New York or whatever, and then, um, would try to take what they worked on in the Midwest back to New York and still not get on stage and rinse and recycle. <laughs> <laughs> and try to keep things going but uh and and that's why really good uh comics come come through here and, yeah and, yeah that's for sure and that, well the th- the thing with comedy clubs is a, a lot of people that i get the question all the time well who's the biggest name you have in there coming up it's like well what does that matter <laughs> go out and see some live comedy see somebody yeah. you've never heard of before because chances are if they're headlining at a comedy club they deserve to be there yeah and, and you're going to uh, enjoy them and um, <laughs> you, know, you really hit on something there because when I, when I started this podcast and I started at the beginning of the year, I was very deliberate in writing out what I wanted and I wanted to talk to working comics. I didn't want to talk, you know, I'll talk to a famous comic if they want to talk to me. Right. Uh, you know, I talked to Steve Hostetter earlier this morning, but, uh, you know, if they want to talk to me, that's cool, but I'm going to talk to working comics that are writing, um, that are performing and making a good part of their living doing comedy or in the yeah. comedy business, because those are the ones who know what it's like now. Uh, and also re- 
they don't have to remember. Like I had Tom Dreesen on and uh, he, he was one of my first guests. He was my first guest and I love Tom. Um, but, you know, he remembers what it was like in the old days, but, you know, he's pretty far removed from it now. Yeah. So it, when you're living it, it, you get a different story than when you're reminiscing about it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Ho- Hofstetter at one point before I became involved in Wiley's Hofstetter actually had part ownership of the club there for a while. Really? Cool. Yeah. 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 Um, I did a phoner with him and I, you know, the only phoners I've ever done for this podcast is him and Bob Zaney. And, uh, uh, I, it's hard for me to do a phoner cause I like to look at the person I'm talking to. So it, I do a lot better when we're actually on screen, but he was just doing phoners and I'll take what I can get. You know, it was, yeah. we still had a good talk. Well, I, I, before, before the pandemic hit, I was doing a live on air show in the studio and I, I, was so used to having people in there with me that once COVID hit and I started doing everything from home through zoom and through, uh, well, I, I have used dream the yard before, but, uh, yeah, it just, it's, it's different. It's a different feel. Having somebody in studio with you is a lot, always a lot better in interview. Having being able to look at them is always better. And it's, yeah. it's been, it's, it gets to be a struggle sometimes just yeah, doing it. It's weird because, you know, I should be looking at the camera. So I look right here, but I'm looking at you because I'm listening to you and we're doing the same thing. We're kind of doing this action and that's just the way it is. The only thing, the only way I could fix this is if I take the camera and tape it to your glasses and then, then I'll be looking at the camera, but I won't see you. So. It's, yeah, I, I suppose I could move my camera over a little bit, but you know, yeah, I mean, wherever I put it, it's going to be weird. It doesn't matter. It, it, <laughs> It doesn't matter. I've got tens of listeners, so it's it, 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 it's it's okay. But uh, let's talk about the podcast a little bit because you've been doing between the radio show and the podcast for quite a while. What got you started doing that? Uh, comedy, actually. Uh, like like I said, I, I went back to school uh, kind of late to finish my uh, my degree, and so when I would just I had just started performing comedy. And I didn't have a lot of time to get up on stage. Mm. Well, at the at the school, since I was I was a, I was working full time, I was a full time student as well, plus doing comedy, plus the acting at the time. So <clears throat> this was this was pre club ownership, or I'd never I would have driven myself nuts. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I figure I, I'd spent so much time at the school. Well, they had a radio station on campus, and if you were a student, you could start a show. Uh huh. So I thought, well, since I can't get on stage a lot and keep in contact with a lot of these local comics, I'll just start a radio show. Since I'm on campus anyway, I have an hour break here and there. I'll just bring some of the local comics onto the radio show, get to know them there. Mm-hmm. So that's that started, like I said, about six years ago. I started that, and uh, first couple episodes were disastrous. <laughs> oh, yeah. They always are. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I had uh, there for a while, I had a co-host that had – a podcast and he would use our, he would use the life radio show for his podcast material. Uh-huh. And then we had a falling out and I decided I got kind of used to the idea of everything being saved because for the first year or so, it was just strictly a live show. It was done. There was no way to find it anywhere. It was finished. Uh-huh. So I kind of liked the idea of people being able to go back and listen later. Right. So once 
we kind of went our separate ways, I decided to start the life radio show as a podcast as well. So that's mm. been about four years ago mm. and it's just been, uh, pulling, pulling comics on from all over the place. And of course, getting back into the film world, I'm, I'm pulling fil uh, film, local filmmakers, local actors, uh, a handful of local musicians here and there. Cause all the music that I use on life radio show is local musicians. Yeah, the, with, with, the, with the exception of every now and then, I did talk to uh, Haywood Banks, and uh, I, I use uh, I use some of his every now and then. Who else yeah. did I talk to? Uh, <laughs> Tim Cavanaugh. Tim Cavanaugh. Okay, lets yeah, me, lets me use his songs too. So, other yeah. than that, every pretty much everybody is local. Yeah, that's been on the show. So the intro music, I really like. You are are you a little bit of a metalhead too? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like I like almost all kinds of music. Anymore, I'm the same. But, yeah, but uh, I've always been a, a metalhead since I since my childhood. Yeah, and that that band that does that is uh, Potter's Field, who's also uh, Potter's Field is the lead singer's uh, solo project. His actual band he was with was called Destricor. Okay, and he has several. He has a number of albums out from Destricor as well as from Potter's Field. Uh, I've just, he, he's been a good friend of mine. I was actually in a band with him briefly in high school. Okay, so cool. That's, that's, uh, once I, as soon as I got on the air, I got a hold of him and I said, his name's Don too. Uh, I got a hold of him. I was like, Don, I, I have a radio show. Give me some of your music. I'll put it over the air. Uh, yeah, and that's what I, that's what I started doing. Then I got permission to use it for the intro and outro of the shows. So. That's cool. And it's funny that grabbed me. I, for some reason, <clears throat> for some reason, uh, you know, I was listening to a couple of your episodes to get to know you a little bit before I talked to you. And that just grabbed me, it grabbed me enough that I listened to the intro a couple of times, uh, because, uh, it, it, it was just good. It was, it was fresh. It was good metal. And, uh, everybody likes metal. They should, should if, like they, if they don't, there's something wrong with them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So have you, uh, you know, t you said you talked to Haywood Banks and uh, Tim Cavanaugh. Have you met anybody uh, doing the podcast that uh, um, kind of surprised you um, being, uh, okay, there's a lot of comics that are kind of superficial. Um, their, their act is kind of superficial. Let's say like Larry the Cable Guy. Um, he's playing a character, but when you actually talk to them, um, you find out they're much deeper. Yeah. Yeah. There, there have definitely been a couple, uh, <laughs> of course, Donnie Baker. Uh, Oh God. Yeah. Donnie, Donnie Baker used, yeah. used to do Wiley's all the time. And, yeah. uh, yeah, he, he, uh, he's, a, he's a different personality off stage. Yeah. Uh, and there, there have been some that have surprised me by being the same off stage as they are on stage. Uh, one of my favorite comics to, to watch live and uh, just because of the, the absolute powerhouse of energy, uh, Greg Hahn is absolutely oh, yeah. amazing to watch yeah. live. Mm. The first time I ever saw him, it was the second show of a double header. Okay. Two shows on Saturday and the first show Saturday, I wasn't at, I was there, but I was doing other things. And the second show I actually went in and watched and he, I don't see how you keep that energy going for one show, let alone two, but, I, <laughs> but talking to him off stage, cause he's been there several times. He actually, 
he called into the radio show once, which is another fun story. But uh, I've talked to him several times off stage, and he's almost the same high energy personality off stage. So it's just yeah. kind of him. Yeah. I, I think I was telling somebody the other day, I've had several conversations with Greg Hahn, but there have only been like one or two times I talked to him where I would just went, wow, he's human. (laughs) (laughs) Just so so much respect for him as a comic though. He is just, he, he is, he, he tears me up. He is absolutely hilarious and just, uh, just a ball of energy, but he, he called into the radio show once. And we were having problems with the soundboard. So we could put the phone call out over the air, but he couldn't hear us. (laughs) I could talk to him off the air, but as soon as we put him on the air, he couldn't hear anything we were saying. So finally, I just said, here's what we're going to do, Greg. I'm going to put you on the air. You say whatever you want for however, (laughs) however long you want to say it. And whenever you're done, just let me know. So there's Greg Hahn screaming and yelling with high energy goofiness for about three or four minutes, just solid on the radio show. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's a, uh, it, it almost sounds like uh, old Bob and Tom. I used to, I used to live in India and uh, listen to Bob and Tom before they were uh, uh, syndicated and stuff like that. And uh, they, they had technical issues. Oh yeah. <laughs> The, the life, the life radio show became known for technical issues there for a while. Cause when yeah. I first started, like I said, the first show was a disaster. Yeah. I couldn't, I could get in there and I, all I could remember how to do was get us on the air and get us back off the air. Yeah. I could not remember how to play a song for a break. I couldn't remember how to go to the station ID, anything. Uh-huh. So it was just, it's like, well, we're not taking a break. We're just plowing through. <laughs> And from then on, it just it just became kind of a running joke where the life radio show, we just had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm cool with that, actually. <laughs> actually, yeah, I, I like it. You know, it's funny. I, I grew up here in the Midwest. I'm in Indiana, and uh, we're, we're close to Notre Dame. And, you know, I grew up, obviously, you know, I'm 56, so there was no internet when I was a kid. And the only thing I really liked in life was music and I, I can't play music. I can't sing. I'm tone deaf and I've tried to play and it just doesn't work. So, but I love listening to it and I didn't like anything that was big in the mid late seventies. You know, I, you know, bad company, oh, whatever. Yeah, oh, it, yeah. it was all corporate rock, you know, foreigner and, and stuff like that. And, uh, there was this dude that, uh, had the, uh, Friday shift at uh, the Notre Dame station, WSND, and he would play, he'd play what he wanted to play, I think from 10 to midnight, uh, just, just a couple hours. And so he was, I think he was an East coast guy. And so that's how I got introduced to Blondie and the talking heads, Ramones, uh, split ends, you know, all those, all those new wave punk, you know, uh, sex pistols and stuff like that, all those bands. And then I'd go to the record store to try to find the records and they weren't in Indiana. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it always took a year for stuff to get to the Midwest from either coast. And, and, uh, I, I always, I always look back on those days finally, because I would just sit, uh, in my room with the headphones on and, listen to that music and then my parents would come in and tell me to turn the music down um 
even though it was coming through my headphones. And that's why I wear hearing aids today. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That'll do it. <laughs> but yeah, I was, you know, I was, I mean, I was such a nerd that that's all I got into. And I was really into Steve Martin. And then when Dave Letterman came up, I was into him. But uh, it, it was uh, that radio station really opened my eyes that there's a lot more to, a lot more of the to do than the corn in indiana you know and, and oh, yeah. Florida, you know <laughs> yeah I've, I've i would say i've gotten more into music over the last probably 10 years mm -hmm. than i did before that but as far as comedy that was a thing that i've always been into because my my dad, we, we used to watch the old Showtime comedy specials and the HBO comedy specials and all that, and the, yeah. uh, the funny men, clowns of comedy, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You have like Mark McCollum and Billy Elmer was always a favorite. I mean, there's so many of these comics that outside of those Showtime specials, you didn't hear a lot about because they mm -hmm. were working comics. They were, yeah. they weren't just, they weren't the big name the big names that everybody expects at a 200 seat comedy club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what always cracks me up about that question is like, when's Chappelle coming? It's like Chappelle can sell out a 10,000 seat arena. He's probably not going to play a 200 seat comedy club, <laughs> but he started with Wiley's. Yeah. He's, he's local. Chappelle's out of yellow Springs, Ohio, which is about 20 miles outside of Dayton. So, I mean, this is where he started. Mm hmm. So that's always my advice to people. You get out and see some of the local comics because they eventually one of them will be the next big comic. Oh yeah. Yeah. And but, they yeah. are absolutely trying harder. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, there's, they're well, never phoning it in. Some of them, some of them are trying yeah. harder. <laughs> Most of them. Yeah. <laughs> so as somebody who has seen comedy from the inside, you've done the writing, you've done the performing, you've seen how the stage works and stuff like that. How do you, what do you like about comedy today? What, what the comedians that you see today, what do you like about what you see now? We're not seeing enough of it because of COVID, but <laughs> yeah, but uh... I, I don't know that I, I'd like that every now and then there are some that are daring enough not to be politically correct when that's expected. Mm -hmm. uh, you have a lot of them that are just trying too hard to not offend people. And that tends to make for weaker comedy. Right. If, if you're not offending anybody, you're not talking about anything important. Right. Right. And that's, you know, I've, I've done whole sets on religion. Mm -hmm. I fully expected half the audience to walk away from, yeah. <laughs> but somehow made them work. Yeah. And that's, that's the tricky part is, is being able to talk about, and that's what comedy's always been being able to talk about stuff that's taboo and do it well enough that people will not only laugh, but think about it and accept that that's what you're talking about. Right. And, right. I mean, you, there there are still several of the newer comics that are doing that, and there are still a lot of the newer comics that are trying to tiptoe around what they're actually trying to say. Mm. So I, I, I don't think that it's changed a whole lot from what it used to be. I mean, I think people are getting more personal and getting more, I don't know, risky or, or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's really changed a lot from the 80s. I mean, people are still talking about what they're talking about. People are still, 
I'm not really sure that anything's really all that different. Right. I mean, some of, I, I guess, I guess the PC kind of culture, you have to be a little careful, but at the same time, I don't bother. <laughs> yeah. And the, what, what I, what I take from it is um, you can get away with a lot of stuff when you're funny. Yeah. Um, if it's, if, if it actually comes out as funny and not mean, um, it's, it's good. Or if it comes out as mean, but it's still funny, you, you can get away with that too. But some, a comic is either dancing around, uh, political correctness and trying to stay within the boundaries, or they are intentionally going outside the boundaries to, um, just horrify audiences and, and, and that doesn't work either. But the ones that are really masterful, like, like a Lewis black or somebody, uh, like that, they actually, um, talk about things that are important and, uh, have people on both sides of the political spectrum or religious spectrum or whatever actually laugh because they can actually laugh at themselves if it's about right. them. So, well, it, yeah, p- people are, are having a, a more and more difficult time laughing at themselves anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's but very I, true. I think as far as the PC, PC culture goes, as, as long as your jokes punch upward and not downward, as long as as long as the ridicule goes to somebody that's considered at a higher tier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you, you don't want you don't want to start crapping on the downtrodden. They're already there. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. You want to you want to tackle the people that are that are up above that at least think they're up above. Uh-huh. And that's that that's the tricky part. That's the tricky part is to keep it keep it to where you're not just being a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> um has uh has I didn't look through your entire uh, podcast library. Have you ever talked to Stuart Huff, or has he ever played your I club? Have, yeah, I, I, he's he's been at the club several times. He's he's a favorite at, at Wiley's. Yeah, he's usually headlining there at least once a year, sometimes twice a year. Sometimes yeah. he comes in to do. Uh, he, he's shown up for our uh, Sunday comic open mics before, and, uh-huh. and yeah. just closed out an open mic for us. So yeah, Stuart's brilliant. Yeah. I think he's been on the podcast twice, I think. I'll have to look for those episodes. He he was my second guest on my podcast and uh what I like about him um he punches up a little bit, but he punches sideways a little bit too when he gets away <laughs> with it because it's yeah. more philosophical. I mean, the guy's a master and and the fact that he doesn't want to be any more than what he is, um I totally respect that. Uh, yeah. because so many people are trying to get on the sitcom or, uh, get a, a writing gig at SNL or something like that. And this guy just wants to go out and say his words and make people laugh and yeah. hopefully change minds too. I mean, yeah. I, you know, his stuff really, uh, I, I talk about this in way too many podcasts, but one of my early interviews was with, uh, a uh, psychologist that is really big into comedy and has written a couple books. And he talks about a um, thermostat comedian. Uh, and that's somebody who talks about what's either going on in the world, going on in their life, and they're just commenting on it. And then there's a thermometer 
uh, comedian that talks about what's going on and tries to change minds a little bit as they go along. They're trying to put the temperature up a little bit. And and Stu's definitely a, a, a thermometer comedian. Yeah, last time he was on the show, he was talking about when he started and he was he was doing shows at Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> do you get that? Do you hear that story? No, I haven't heard that. <laughs> he, was, he was having trouble getting booked when he first started up. And so he would he would walk back into the electronics department in Walmart and grab one of their microphones. <laughs> no, no, it was Kmart. Sorry, it was Kmart, not Walmart. Uh, he would do that in Kmart. He would do his Kmart shows and he just, he would just be in the electronics department at Kmart and nobody, you know, nobody listening. And he'd do that every, like every week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. We, we got in, we got sidetracked because he's, uh, he had that, or he has that. I don't know if he's doing current episodes, but that, um, uh, uh, curious obsessions podcast because yeah. um, he's into antiques and weird old antiques. And my grandma was an antique dealer and I was kind of there. My, my grandparents uh, loading guy, I would load them and unload them from shows and stuff like that. Um, and my grandma was into all that weird stuff too, but it was older and weirder. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and we got into a pretty good conversation about that both online and offline, but, uh, yeah, he's got a whole house full of, uh, curiosities. He likes to call. Them. <laughs> yeah. He, he's a great dude. I, I had, he's always a blast to have at the club. So let's talk about the acting uh, that you've done because, uh, I, your credits are on quite a few things. How did you get into the whole acting part? From, I know you were doing the theater, the, the community theater and stuff like that, but how did you make that jump into the acting part? Uh, well, I, years ago, long before I started comedy, I, I did a, there was, I think three movies that I was in, but only one of them actually, only one of them actually got finished. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> It was just, it was just something I, since I was doing the theater, I wanted to kind of try some film out and see what was going on with that. And I did a couple back then and most of them at the time, it was before a lot of the streaming stuff still. So Mm. it was still a lot more difficult to get out there. So my, my first film ever was called the monster's mind. And I think it premiered at Rome international film festival in Rome, Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) But, but hey, we were nominated for best best uh, feature length film. So. There you go. <laughs> but uh, when I started getting back into comedy, because I took a break from a lot of it for a long time, for like several years, hmm. and when I started getting back into comedy, I started at some of the clubs. I started to meet some of these filmmakers, and the first one was uh, Henrik Kuto. I got to know him fairly well, and he's probably best known for Babysitter Massacre. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> he does a lot of great horror films and yeah. I got to know him a little bit and I did a few kind of walk on roles on sh- on films with him. I was in uh, Calamity Jane's Revenge. Uh, let's see, nothing good ever happens. Uh, but then I, I, he did a series that's available on Amazon right now. I think you can still watch it free. If you have Amazon prime, it's called the, uh, the, the boggy Creek, uh, the, the Bigfoot series. Uh-huh. And I got to be, I was a featured lead on the episode two 
and that that was a lot of fun. But I got to know him, and then uh, just everything else was just auditions, or I'd go to I one of them. I took an acting class uh, just for fun. It was more of an improv class. And a couple months later, I got a call from the person that was running the class saying, "Hey, I'm directing a movie. Would you like a part in it?" Mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, yeah." <laughs> And uh, I auditioned for uh, a number of them. Uh, The biggest one that uh, was Cinema Lexicon, uh, the director's William Lee. And I have been, I think we just wrapped principal photography on my seventh film with him. Uh And because that's usually how how it works. If you get in with with a director and a crew that works well together and meshes well together and you're reliable, they're going to keep bringing you back. Yeah. So I've been uh, I've been very lucky. To, to work with him quite a bit. In fact, the next one we're doing is through, uh, he, he's one of the producers of it, but it's, uh, I get to, I get to be a, a co-star. So it's, I'm going to be uh-huh. one of the lead actors on the next one, which is, uh, I don't want to, I can't talk too much about right now, but, uh, the one that we just wrapped, uh, uh, Bill, uh, Black Wolf, Black Wolf's the one uh-huh. that did but uh, I, I've been working with him for uh, almost five years now. Okay. And he, he gets his out there because a, a lot of filmmakers, well, Henrik does too. All these people that I work with, they usually get their stuff out there. But uh, I've worked with some that you'll do a whole lot for and then you won't hear anything about it ever again. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I've worked with a lot with Cinema Lexicon, with Henrik Couto, with Lana Reed. A lot of people that that just they get their films out there, and uh, Garnett Films. That's uh, that's Lana Reed's company. Uh-huh. Uh, we did uh, Western World. Yeah, which, I uh, watched the trailer for that. That looks pretty cool. It, yeah, they, it's it's a little deceiving. I, I on, to to be honest, it, it's a great movie, but it's more like a it's more like a Western murder mystery. Mm. Than, than a, like a Western shoot 'em up kind of thing. Because if, yeah. if you look at the trailer, it looks like there's a lot of action, but the, in reality, there's some. But at the same time, a lot of it is just talking out, trying to solve this mystery. Uh-huh. Who killed? Because the, the original title was A Dead Husband in a Western Town. Yeah. Yeah. Which leads more to the mystery element yeah. of it. Yeah. Then, since they had the uh, show Westworld that was right. Really- time they said well let's call it western world (laughs) (laughs) trying to get some of that audience over and i think their marketing of it kind of i i don't know that it really hurt it but it kind of the the marketing we had a lot of people that were expecting a a a lot of gunfights in a western that just weren't there right right but it's a great movie it's very well written uh brian dobbins i think wrote that but it's a very very well written movie a lot of great acting in a lot of really good filmmaking went into that. It just, I think it was marketed to a crowd that was expecting a lot more than a mystery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was it, the, the um, trailer looked good. Do yeah, you, think it's, it's a great, I think it's a great movie. It yeah. Just, I'm going to, I'm going to check it out. Do, do you think that your voice uh, gets you uh, in the door for some of these acting gigs? I, I think having a comedy club for people to shoot in occasionally gets me a lot of them because okay. <laughs> that's <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of like, well, uh, boggy Creek, uh, we shot that as over three years ago. It was, uh, it was almost three years before that came out from the time we shot it. It came out a little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but I, I forgot how often we shot at Wiley's for that uh-huh. until I started watching the series again. It's just, it's a six episode series. And I, I completely forgot that in that area, they were using Wiley's as like their neighborhood bar. Yeah. Yeah. So it made it in Wiley's made it into more episodes than I did. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Black Bomba, which just released a cinema lexicon movie, just released, I think, in uh, May or June. Uh, We probably shot about 70% of that inside and around Wiley's. Oh, wow. That's cool. Because the the cool thing about Wiley's, there have been so many uh, renovation attempts and so many half hearted remodels that you could, it looks like 17 different sets. Yeah. (laughs) No, you, you can film here. It looks like this. You film over there. It looks like an entirely different thing. Uh, our cooler, the doors on our cooler are kind of old. We actually use that to make, are you, I, I think in black Mamba, we shot the cooler as our morgue. We oh, were inside yeah. of it, but just the doors and everything. It looked uh-huh. like it could be, it could pass for a morgue. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I, I hope that some of it's my voice and my talent that gets me yeah. some of the acting gigs, but I know some of them were just because they wanted to shoot at the club and yeah. offer me a role, which I'll take. Yeah. But. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> so is your, is your voice something that you've worked on to get to where you're at or is it just completely natural? I, most of it's completely natural. I've never really had any voice lessons or anything. I have, of course, I've done the podcast for a long time. I have done a little bit of voice work. Uh, this past summer, I did some voice work on a, uh, a children's book, a children's audio book that, uh, mm-hmm. called the rooster that wouldn't crow by uh, Artie Knapp. I I've done a few things like that. I was part of, uh, the unwritten podcast season two, uh, which is an audio drama podcast. Uh, mm. So I've done some voice acting, but mo- most of my voice just comes naturally. So that's great. And and I, I, I'm a voice guy. And the reason why uh, is because in this entire conversation that we've had, I've understood every word you said, and I, I'm, I'm extremely hard of hearing. So even when the headphones are in, if there's any mumbling or any, just any weird pauses or something like that, I, I lose stuff. And it's funny because I talked to another comic a couple episodes ago. He's probably been at Wiley's. Jeff Shaw um, is. Uh, I know the name, I think. Yeah, he's he's been around. And he did a show um, this summer. It was an outdoor show that my wife and I went to. This was, you know, in the middle of the Rona. And it was in this very, very rural town. And it had two cornfields between it. You know, we, we, we drove an hour to get there. And we're in uh, a very small city ourselves. And uh, he did that show. And uh, one of the things I told him was, I understood every word that you said, and that is very uncommon for me because diction is very important and enunciating words and, and saying the whole word, not mumbling, uh, not, not running into the next word and stuff like that is very important to me to be able to hear. And he had never heard that before, but you're another, you're like the second person I've talked to that. I don't have to really, really strain to understand every single word that you're saying. And uh, it's, it's a great radio voice, but I see it's, you know, it's, it's on the edge of an Orson Welles type thing, you know, uh, um, I, I will take that as a hell of a compliment. Honestly. Yeah. And, and I, I loved Orson Welles and 
once again, I understand every word he says when I, you know, when I watch his stuff still. So it's, uh, it, I, I, it's very distinctive and yet it's not over the top. You're not like a morning zoo radio type voice. Like, <laughs> Hey, kids, what are you doing? And, and, but every word I understand when I was, when I was perusing the podcast, I was like, Holy cow, I don't have to strain to hear this guy. And I take that as a compliment because, you know, oh, yeah. old people need to laugh too. And they need to hear all the words. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, was a, I, I was an English major, so I've done a lot of reading aloud, plus uh, the radio show. I've been doing that for so long, plus being a performer. You, you can't really mumble a lot doing theater. You have to project. And I think a lot of that's a lot of that's helped develop it. Right. So I won't say it's totally natural, but just I, I haven't purposely said, OK, let's work on my voice today. Yeah. <laughs> everything's been developed over time through all the different things that I've done. Yeah. 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 It's funny. I've uh, got actually a public speaking coach. Uh, coming on the podcast on Friday, I'm interviewing him Friday morning and it's totally selfish because I have the tendency to say, uh, and, um, and I also stammer. I also say things too many times and I'm, I'm just going to use him to train me to be better. And hey, it works. <laughs> and, and comics can use that too, because there's a lot of comics that get up on stage and I don't hear half of what they said. Yeah, you know, they think because they have the mic in their hand, they can just mumble through it because it's being amplified, and it amplified mumbling is still mumbling. You know, yeah, yeah. you you mumble through a punchline, you just lost the joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, I'm looking forward to Friday. So let's talk about uh, one of the things I like to ask everybody is what is the best and worst advice you got about comedy? Uh I think that, uh, the best and the worst advice about comedy is quit. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I don't know that I really listened to a lot of advice, honestly. I mean, it, I just, that sounds weird, but I just don't. I mean, I, cause it, with comedy, if you listen to too much advice, you're never going to find your own voice. Right, right. And I, I won't say I haven't listened to any of it. It's just not enough to where I remember it as something that really sticks with me. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess that's bad. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's funny we were talking about Stu and and on uh, Stuart House episode, I asked him the same question. Uh, and, uh, he said, uh, don't take anybody's advice. <laughs> so see, I'm taking his advice and I didn't even know it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta do, you gotta blaze your own trail and do your own thing, yeah. make your own mistakes and take your own victories because it's not, it, there's no formula. I mean, there's yeah. a formula for a laugh. Uh, you know that you know that's pretty much mathematical mathematical the punchline the the set up the punch and set up punch and set up and three punches and however you yeah. do it it's that's pretty much mathematical but the rest of it how you get there is all on you so that that makes a lot of yeah. sense what yeah, three a, I, i've been asked for advice a lot and i really don't know what advice to give yeah i, I really and it's the same thing and that and that might be because it's 
back in the back of my mind, I knew it was because I had, you have to blaze your own trail. And that's the thing. Cause you can, you can be funny doing something that nobody else is funny doing. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you have a different way of doing it that everybody else says, don't do it that way. But if it works for you, it works for you. Who really? Yeah. 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 It's funny. I did a episode and this is a while back. It was a comedy coaching episode. And there's a guy I like a lot named Joel Byers who does, he does stand up, but he also does a lot of uh, comedy classes and coaching. And I did a whole online, it was stream live. And I put seven minutes of my material out there. The last seven minutes I did, and we went through it and broke it down what was good and what was bad. And we were streaming live and he absolutely um, hated my closing joke. He said, he he said, it's got to go, you know, you can't do it. And I'm, you know how you fall in love with a joke. I I had fallen in love with a joke. Well, it turned out Jimmy Brogan uh, from the tonight show uh, was watching that particular live feed and he typed into the feed. Hey, that's the best joke of the, of the whole set. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and joel's like okay well you know he knows better than me <laughs> he booked for johnny for so long you know it's yeah. it, uh so um but it, uh, the funny thing is jimmy actually sent me a message and he said try putting that at the front instead of the don't make that your closer make it your opener and yeah. i did that and it's much better i totally changed my act around i turned everything upside down and it works much better so it was it was really oh, yeah. funny how that works out <laughs> Yeah, little pieces, little pieces of advice like that are, are good to take, and you, you yeah. try you try them out a little bit. But I mean, the the bad thing is there are always more people that willing to give advice in comedy than there are willing to listen to advice. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of times, the people that are giving the advice have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've done three open mics, and all yeah. of a sudden, they're they're uh, educated comedian. Yep. Uh, yep, I, yeah, I, those are the same ones. They've done three open mics, and those are the same ones that send me emails. When can I get a weekend at Wiley's? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Can you wash dishes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Poor poor people. I just don't know. <laughs> so um, what three things do you know now, um, either about comedy or the comedy business, that you wish you would have known when you started? Oh, just three? Yeah. You can list as many as you want. I got all night, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, there, there are a lot of things I've learned doing that. Uh, I just, again, nothing really comes to mind. <laughs> I know if, if I had it to do over again, as much as I love Wiley's, I would not have become a part owner. That's for uh-huh. sure. Cause that's uh, one thing. If you're a comedian and you own a club, uh, you have to be real careful entering any competitions. I was, uh, I was disqualified from the world series of comedy oh. because, because I was part owner of Wiley's, oh. uh, yeah, which, which kind of, which, which kind of sucked. I was really looking forward to, I, I was disqualified, but they didn't give me my entry feedback. <laughs> now did, did Wiley's host a prelim? Uh, we did that year. We okay. Did. okay. I think we did a couple years. The pa- the past year we didn't. I can see how that would maybe matter, but once you yeah. get past that, it shouldn't even matter. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, the thing is, I did not sign up to perform at Wiley's. 
Right. Yeah. Because you can sign up at several different satellites. So I I didn't sign up to perform at Wiley Satellite. Uh-huh. I signed up for several other ones, but never I didn't sign up for Wiley's. That's yeah. that's why it kind of was like, well, what difference does it make? I'm not performing yeah. at my home club. Uh-huh. But uh, apparently it was enough that they said, yeah. no, oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> that's too bad. It really kind of sucks. Yeah, there, there have been a, there. I think there were two other festivals I, I wanted to perform at. And because I was with Wiley's, they wouldn't. They they wanted me there as industry, yeah, but not as yeah. a performer. It's like uh, I don't want to go there as industry. I don't yeah. book the club. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's no fun at all. You you, yeah. you might get passed over for your own club that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so. Do you think that, okay, with the pandemic and everything that's going on, do you think that anybody should even be getting into stand-up comedy now? It depends on why you're getting into it. If you're getting into it to make money, then probably not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just just because, I mean, it, unless you're some phenom, it's going to be 15 years before you get to where you can. It's going to be 10 to 15 years before you can make a living doing it. mm and even that living, most of it will be living it out of your car, driving from club to club across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like anything else. You have to get in, into it for the right reasons. It's just like acting. You have to get into it for the right reasons. I love acting. I love comedy. I love what I do. Uh, that's why I still have to work a full-time job. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it's... Uh, when I when I get cast in a in a film or something, I usually the the question how much am I getting paid is the furthest thing from my mind. Mm, right. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's it's stuff I would probably do for free. Mm. If you're going to pay me for it, that's a bonus. Mm. <laughs> right. Yeah. No doubt. Know, and I and it's all time consuming stuff. But yeah, it's it's like anything else. It depends on the reasons you're getting into it. If you're getting into it because you like performing, because you love making people laugh, because you love comedy, don't hold back. Get into it. Hmm. Even even with the COVID, I mean, you're you're going to have a harder time finding a place to perform. It's going to get. I mean, things are getting ugly now. I mean, we're we're still open, but we're at like thirty percent capacity. Hmm. So, I mean, we're, we're squeaking by, yeah. but I mean, and we're doing everything we can to be as safe as possible with our staff and our, our comics and our, our customers. But right. uh, yeah, there are still some clubs that are open and running and uh, this will pass. This will pass. I mean, yeah. if you get out now there, there are still a lot of, uh, I know here in Dayton, there's uh, a group that does a, uh, do a couple live feed comedy shows. Mm. So there, there are still venues out there. There are still ways to get out there, but as far as starting in the midst of all this, why not? Because you start in the middle of all this, it's the people that are living on, that have been doing it for a while that are trying to live off of it now that are struggling. If you're just starting it now, you're golden. You don't have to worry about making money right now. Yeah. 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 Have you done any of the Zoom comedy? I have not. Yeah. 
I, because it's a, to me, it's, it's it would be really weird without a live audience that's actually reacting. So I don't know what the I don't know how it's set up. Honestly, yeah, it's it's weird. You should watch one sometime. Uh, I'm wearing a T-shirt. One of the I did a virtual comedy festival, and it, it was it was somewhat enjoyable, but it was also extremely depressing. And, and I'm doing a show on Friday night that somebody asked me to do. I stay away from it as much as I can. I'll do like an open mic just so I can say the words of stuff I've written out loud um, just because I need to, but, uh, and I'll do like a writing workshop or something like that. But, um, actually performing is you, you, you really get this wave of depression when you're done, if you've ever performed live, because yeah. it's, it's just not the same. So yeah, I I'll do it. If somebody asks me to do it, um, I enjoy getting ready for it. I enjoy uh, saying the words, doing my bits and stuff like that. And then when it's done, I die a little bit. So, <laughs> you know. which Honestly, I, a lot of live performances, I mean, yeah. even even if they go well, I, I will hit a low usually yeah. within oh, yeah. a couple hours after being off stage. So I really, I don't want to compound that by doing one of these Zoom shows. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it was bad enough then. Yeah. <laughs> but comedy, comedy is a world of lows and highs anyway. Yeah. You know, you do one show and you're on top of the world. You do the next one. It feels like you've been kicked in the sack about 15 times. So, yeah, Yeah. it's definitely there are a lot of ups and downs in comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I uh, actually I sponsored a comedy contest, an online comedy contest through the podcast where I had 21 participants. I had uh, three groups of seven perform and my top three. One of them was a professional comic that had been working for about seven years the other one was um she was a um documentarian she uh, she did a lot of documentary filming and had done some comedy in the past but just started back up so she was almost like a greenhorn mm-hmm. the third dude has never performed live and he made it to the finals and he wow. was uh second place and he he's from scotland he was a funny motherfucker i gotta tell you <laughs> <laughs> and and i absolutely love the guy and he is just itching to perform live and i i keep saying you know it's different it's different you know oh, yeah. but he's got this whole zoom stuff down to to a science he knows when to pause he knows that there's a delay and all that kind of stuff he's done it so much that he's great at it and uh, it's it's really cool to see that people from all those different levels were good enough to make it to the finals and, and they all deserve to be there there it was really yeah, fun yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll be very interested to know how he does when he actually does get to perform live. You know, he's a different animal. <laughs> I tell you why. I, I think of him as the next Stephen Wright. He, oh, wow. he, he's got that deadpan and um, he's not quite as non sequitur, um, but he's he's almost there. A uh, lot, lot of puns and stuff like that. But he's. I mean, it's so, it's so fast. I mean, I, I, I counted, uh, when he did his, uh, set for the finals, I counted, uh, six laughs in the first 30 seconds, <laughs> six real laugh. And, and th- that was six separate jokes. You know, it was, you know, five seconds of joke, 
punch uh, or set up punch, set up punch, set up punch. It was it was amazing, and he he was able to do seven minutes of that. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. So it was uh, it's it's real it's real neat to see somebody that's writing that much. He says he writes like five to six hours a day. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I, I'm lucky to get thirty minutes in if I'm <laughs> on a good day. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't do hardly anything with it anymore. I I uh, I performed in January, and I was gonna I was actually planning before COVID hit. I was gonna take a break because I actually had evenings free, and I had time to get back and do some live theater. Which uh-huh. honestly, that's that's still my first love. I still would rather do live theater than comedy or film. Yeah, yeah. But, and I, I finally got to where it's like, okay, I have some time in the evenings. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take a break from comedy for a while, and I'm going to get. And then, of course, as soon as I do, all the theaters shut down because of COVID. So it's like, yeah. okay, maybe it's my fault. It, I, I shouldn't have done that. It's now it's all me. <laughs> I caused COVID because of my my hopes and dreams of performing live theater. Oh and, man, yeah, I'm yeah. glad I can point a finger at somebody because I've been pissed <laughs> off for a while. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. If it, if it helps the world at large to blame me for it, you know, it's like my my theater acting is so bad <laughs> that the Lord visited us with a plague to keep me from performing. <laughs> But no, I, I had from January up until uh, late October, I did nothing. I had no shows. I wrote pretty much. I, I had some thoughts for new jokes, but I kind of jotted them down and left them. And then all of a sudden, uh, somebody hit me up in October, said, hey, I, do you want to do this show? And I said, yeah, OK, I haven't done these in a while. Yeah. And I had to come up with a bunch of new stuff. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I scrambled for about a week trying yeah. to figure out what I wanted to talk about. And it ended up going well, but I went, right. uh, I went up with that angry persona again. Right. Right. Yeah. Deadlines definitely help with the writing pr- process. Yeah. yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> well, a- after that show, I had somebody come up to me and said, you, the only reason I came to this show is I knew it had been 10 months so you, since you'd been on stage and I wanted to see how much you blew up. Yeah. <laughs> And he, he he said I was not disappointed. <laughs> he did not disappoint. Yeah, I I let I let ten months of pent up anger and frustration out on that stage. That <laughs> it was it was pretty wild. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, Don, it's been great having you on the show. I I uh, I'm glad we uh, got introduced. Uh, got to give Steve Joyner a shout out because oh, yeah. uh, he hooked me up with about five interviews in in like an hour. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, uh, I think more, more is coming and, uh, uh, Steve, Steve's a cool guy and I'm really glad that, uh, we got hooked up, uh, and, uh, I, I'm glad I met you and uh, I'm going to listen to, I'm going to find your Stuart Huff, uh, podcast episodes and listen to those and start listening to all those because, uh, first of all, I can hear you. Um, so that's good. <laughs> And and second, I like the style of your podcast. It's a lot like mine, where you let the guests talk more than you talk, so that you know that's a yeah, that's always I, a good thing. I I, lo- I love that. I I love when a guest talks more than me because I don't have to do as much. Yep. I've had some shows where I've had like a guest on because I'm not a huge sports guy. Yeah. But somebody came on that was a sports reporter and then did did sports podcasts and sports shows. So it's like, I have nothing to really add to this. Yeah. And I would bring in a guest co-host. Yeah. 
and I'd sit back and let those two go go at it for the whole hour, and it's like I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would have to do that for sports too because yeah. I'm not I'm not into it either. So yeah, you know, would... that that's one of the things I always loved about uh, when I was doing the live shows. Every week I would bring guest co-hosts in, mm. and the only criteria to be a guest co-host is you had to have been a guest before. Uh huh. Yeah. And that's, that's it. You had to have been a guest and I enjoyed your company. Yeah. <laughs> most of my guests, I really don't yeah. have any guests that I didn't enjoy. I mean, there yeah. are one or two that, eh, but most of the, most of the guests I've had over, you know, almost six years doing the radio show have been wonderful people. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but no, I bring a guest co-host in and I like to get, people that are kind of like-minded because when I first started working with Steve, I mean, he put people on my show that it's like, not sure how to relate. Like, uh, Artie Hoffman is a, I don't know if you've interviewed Artie Hoffman yet. He's a uh, psychic medium. Yeah. Well, that's, that's not my realm. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do comedians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And well, so did I for the most part, but I, yeah. Artie was a lot of fun. He was a lot of fun to have on the show, but I brought on a friend of mine, a comic out of Cincinnati, Erica Russell, who also does tarot card readings and uh, uh, natal chart readings. Uh That way I have two people that kind of work in the, in the spirituality and the astrology kind of thing. And the, and that psychic medium realm that they could hit it off together. When I did, I interviewed, uh, 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 Pat Jankowitz, uh, Pat Jankowitz used, used to do some writing for Fangoria magazine. Uh-huh. Well, for a guest co-host for that, I brought Henrik Kuto on who has been featured in Fangoria magazine and they, they are both big horror guys. So they yeah. just went back and forth the whole time. I think, I don't think I had to say a whole lot in either yeah. of those interviews. It's, <laughs> and that to me, that's, that's a fun thing to me as a host. When I bring two people in as guests that just hit it off. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, it's neat to connect people and it's neat to connect with people. That's, you yeah. know, that, that's a fun thing about doing a podcast and, and doing comedy and theater and all that kind of stuff. You, yeah. you always find somebody that's, uh, either like-minded or, uh, somebody who's kind of your, uh, spiritual equal or something like that. And yeah. you can, you can get together and make a friends and that that's yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and I appreciate you having me on. It's been great talking to you. Yeah. It's, it's been a, it's been a great conversation. I'm glad we were both drinking um, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's a day before Thanksgiving and I'm cooking for two tomorrow because we're staying away from the kids, yeah. you know? So uh, it's kind of depressing, but it's what you got to yeah. do. Yeah. 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 So that's, um, that's why they made drinking. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I made a beer run today, so I, I've got enough for the weekends. So. Yeah, <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah. Um, so um, where can people find you if they want to listen to the podcast, uh, see your comedy, anything like that? Uh, I don't have a lot of content. There's probably some old, old stuff that's, uh, you know, some of my early stuff that's still on YouTube. Don't watch mm-hmm. it. It's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as far as my movies, I mean, you can, you can definitely check me out on IMDB, uh, Donald Smith. Uh, I always went with Donald when I first started acting. So that kind of stuck on my IMDB, but I'm, you can check out any of those movies. There's a lot of them that are on Amazon right now. Uh, there's a lot of them on other streaming services. Uh, I know Black Mamba and the Goocher both came out this past summer. Uh, of course, check out, uh, uh, 
<laughs> uh, Boggy Creek, uh, the series on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, you can check me out. You can find me at thelife1069.com. You can also, there'll be links to pretty much everything on there, including my movies, including the podcast. Uh, you can find the podcast itself, my link tree, depending on what uh, podcast you use, what podcast services, podcast hosts you use. Hmm. It's uh, link, uh, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash The Life Radio Show. You can find me on Facebook at The Life 1069 or on uh, Twitter at Don Smith Comedy. Uh, I think that's about everywhere I'm at. Okay. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm really glad we got to connect. It's it's nice to, yeah, me too. to, to meet somebody that, uh, that uh, started comedy as a passion and not something that they wanted to make a living with. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat and uh, yeah, I'd love to be able to make a living doing the things I do for fun, but it just is, it's not happening yet. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> somebody asked me, I did an interview uh, a while back and somebody said, well, where do you want this to take you in five years? And I said, to be quite honest, if I'm in five years from now, if I'm able to still do the things I'm doing now, even at the same level, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll be happy with it because I love what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, thanks a lot, Don. It's been great talking to you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs>